I, I went into these interviews and I said, look, you're going to look at this plan, which is very focused on state-based action, almost forsaking D.C., but not quite. And I said, I will support that. The most important thing you do as the Heritage Foundation is to go on offense every single day. And you know what happened? They hired me. <laughs> I've been excited about this uh, for a while, and so I'm, I'm so pleased to be a part of this, but also to have such a great friend. So um, our keynote address today is Dr. Kevin Roberts. He is the president of Heritage Foundation. He's no stranger to Texas. He lived in Texas for quite a while. As a matter of fact, he got his PhD from the University of Texas uh, in American history. And so for my Longhorn friends out there, don't get distracted when uh, the game comes on at 2.30, okay? Um, But we're glad to have him back. For many years, he led the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which were our neighbors across the street. But he now leads Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. But Kevin's got a tremendous amount of experience and uh, history, if you will, in the education system, but certainly has a heart and a personal faith and a public faith for so many of the issues that we work on. And if you know anything about Heritage, it is a nonpartisan research institute, but it is, I think, the largest uh, conservative base and educational think tank base of its type, not only in the country, but probably the world. And if, you know, my friends know what they say at the University of Ch- uh, Texas, what starts here changes the world. So please welcome Dr. Kevin Roberts. Well, I, um, you know, this is kind of a reunion for me too, right? Uh, you know, Kevin and I spent a lot of good time together over the years, but um, we were in church together for a while. And uh, I, miss, I miss seeing you there. We, we miss seeing you there, too. And uh, by the way, yeah, I think it's on. By the way, it's so great to be home for a couple of days in Texas. We've got to go back to the Imperial City tonight. That would be D.C. But it's good to be sitting with you. And I just want to say, not that I would forget this, how about a round of applause for this great leader? Speaking of leaders and, you know, Kevin and I would spend time together. We'd have lunch every now and then because I saw him as certainly a leader several steps in front of me and somebody that I could learn from. And, you know, and and so I've appreciated that, but I've missed seeing you. I'm glad you wore the boots, okay? Uh, We do, you know, if you didn't get your breakfast tacos out there and so you missed some of those in Texas, um, you know, we're always happy to make you feel welcome and we'd love to have you back anytime. And, uh, and I'm sure you got a lot of friends still here, your friends over at TPPF and others, um, that, you know, probably welcome you. I know they had an event the past couple of days. Did you get, I mean, did you get kind of a care kit from Texas? Are you picking a couple of things up? A- absolutely. In fact, I'm, I'm in Texas a lot, uh, yeah. probably average a couple times a month through the end of the year. We get to one of the reasons why, which is good. And it's related to what y'all are working on. But to your question, because people say, are y'all crazy? You moved from Texas <laughs> to the DC area. We're not crazy as much as we were praying about the impact we were going to have or a a tiny impact as a family. And so living in Northern Virginia, not D.C., is is okay. But I'll tell you a story that tells you about the future of the Heritage Foundation. Every member, almost every member of Heritage's senior management was at my house in a rural part of Fairfax County, heavily wooded where you can actually deer hunt on it. And someone who looks like me will be doing that next weekend. And I smoked brisket. And all these people came over. I smoked it for 20 hours. All these folks came over. They sit down. They said, Kevin, 
you know how to smoke a brisket. I said, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Texas. So we brought some Texas to the Heritage Foundation. And on the cultural, social, and political side, Jonathan, more of that needs to happen because what we're trying to do at Heritage is devolve power from D.C. and put it back in the hands of the American people. Amen. Amen. Well, and, and look, I mean, you know, we see the climate changing a little bit. We see a difference, a shift at the executive level with uh, uh, with the Biden presidency and that administration. But then we see these incredible decisions coming out of the U.S. Supreme Court, which you could, people could sort of put, um, connect the dots as a result and part of the legacy, if you will, of the Trump administration, new people on the U.S. Supreme Court. And I want to get into that conversation, but I want to really kind of set the, um, the field too at the beginning and make sure everybody is aware of the Heritage Foundation. I know a lot of people know that organization, but I want you just to share a little bit about Heritage Foundation and also what that looks like under your leadership. Well, thanks for that question because although Heritage has been around for nearly half a century, not everyone knows about it. And I, I certainly, I don't think any of us at Heritage have this institutional hubris where we think people should know about us, in part because we try not to take credit for things. And yet you said in your very kind introduction of me that Heritage was probably the largest conservative public policy organization in the world. That's true. And, and we don't exist to be the largest. We exist to have the greatest impact to give you power back. And so I've, I've become enamored with saying that the work that the Heritage does, and I'll tell you a little bit of detail in a minute, the work that Heritage does most of all is to be the American people's advocates behind enemy lines. Mm. Because you don't have enough. There are a lot of great organizations around this country, and there are some good organizations inside D.C. But unfortunately, and I just say this as a fact, I'm not going to name names because I'm, I'm into adding and multiplying the movement, not dividing and subtracting. But it has been, just as an observer, as a guy, a dad of four kids, it's been distressing to me to see that the D.C.-based organizations that are philosophically conservative have become less so, particularly on issues of life and marriage. And so when I arrived at Heritage, Jonathan, I knew that Heritage for many years had been working those issues. But as we might get into, if you know a little bit about my history, I've been fighting for religious history or religious liberty for 20 years. And I told my colleagues at Heritage, we can work on taxation, which we do. We can work on foreign policy, which we do. We can work on education reform, which we do. But the single most important thing we work on, we will spend the last cent in our endowment defending is religious liberty, life, and marriage, full stop. Amen. Well, as my team knows, leadership is influence. What happens from the top makes a huge difference. And I'll take credit for that quote. Many people know that's, that's what John Maxwell says. And, uh, but I think there's a lot to learn from that. Um, but you know, and it's not hard to figure out. These are foundational principles. Someone who has his PhD in American history would know that just as well as anyone. And you spent a lot of time in the education field. I want to just kind of open that up a little bit too. So people know a little bit about some of your background. And it might have been during that time that you got this. What is this cowboy nickname that you got? Well, when I was president of Wyoming Catholic College, we rejected federal student loans and grants. This is 10 years ago because I could see the transgender ideology really coming to be a force against what we believe, any person of faith. And the New York Times sent out this reporter, nice young guy, but I wouldn't call him a conservative. <laughs> and he wanted to write a hit piece and my approach with hit pieces has always been to lean into them and just be who you are. And so he came into my office and 
He said, okay, Dr. Roberts, you've given me all the reasons that you're opposed to federal student loans and grants. I've talked to your board members. They voted unanimously to support your decision. I want to talk to some students. I said, great. I said, you just have the run of the campus. Talk to every student at this college. So he spent hours talking to students, try to find some student who would complain about it being difficult to be to get a student loan or a grant, which it wasn't because we just self-financed it as an institution, which was hard, but it was important. And so he came back to me at the end of the day and this worked its way into his article. And he said, you know, Roberts is a cowboy Catholic who knows about religious liberty. And so I've just sort of taken that moniker on behalf of that college, which three times since I've left have said to the American government, we don't want your money, keep it. We'd rather be an institution of faith. Amen. As a matter of fact, this, I'm, I'm going to move this water bottle out of the way, okay, so y'all can see, you can get a better view of our boots here, all right? But uh, and just one of the many reasons why, why I try to follow in the lead of, uh, uh, of Kevin Roberts, maybe someday somebody will call me a Catholic uh, cowboy. But, you know, it's good to know some of that, right? And we think about people, you know, that come into the positions that are in, you're in this position, I don't think it's even been a year almost, close to a year, uh, but there's obviously something behind that that leads up to that, and um, and so, but I but I think that's you know no different from any any of us, right? We we come into some leadership position. Usually, there's something that's led us these experiences along the way, and part of your experience before leading Heritage Foundation was the wonderful work that you were doing at Texas Public Policy Foundation right here in Texas, across the street from the offices of Texas Values on Congress, and. You understand, right? You got a great appreciation of the impact that you can have at the state level. Uh, share with us a little bit more about Heritage Foundation and sort of how y'all are able to see and then help uh, provide value to things at the state level. Well, I've been at Heritage about 10 months now, which is hard to believe. I mean, it's been a blur, but a good blur. And I, by the way, was not looking to do that, as, as you know, because yeah. you're such a good friend. We were very happy in Liberty Hill, Texas. I was very happy leading the Texas Public Policy Foundation. But the, the short version of the story is the Holy Spirit came knocking. And when the Heritage Board reached out to me and said, we want to interview you, my approach was, well, yeah, I'll, I'll do that because you're the Heritage Foundation. You've got all the right ideas. I don't think you're really on offense enough because I like to charge hills and take back America. And so I said, look, I'll go interview with you But really what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the plan of how you can build on Heritage's past with a sort of new heritage, which honors everyone who's there, and have a heritage that's more aggressive, shall we say. Because I know what time it is in America. And the time it is in America is that the radical left is not only taking away our rights, but they're redefining what a man is and a woman is. And we even have a Supreme Court justice who doesn't know what a woman is. And so, Jonathan, all of that to say, I went through the interview, and I, I you know, hopefully wasn't arrogant. That wasn't my intention. In oh, fact, I quite imagine the you weren't at all. <laughs> I was wearing boots. But I, my, all sarcasm aside, my friend, I, I went into these interviews, and I said, look, you're going to look at this plan, which is very focused on state-based action, almost forsaking D.C., but not quite. And you're going to say, oh, he's a nice guy. He's got a nice haircut but we don't want to hire him. And I said, I will support that. The most important thing you do as the Heritage Foundation is to go on offense every single day. And you know what happened? 
They hired me. <laughs> and things are going really well. You know why? Because the people at Heritage were ready to be on offense. They were ready. In other words, they were. So about a year ago today, Jonathan, I was introduced as the president. And I didn't really prepare what I was going to say because I'm a big believer in just speaking from the heart. Even when the media is watching as they are and, you know, they have well, you and me there, as targets. We have a live stream and you're on our Facebook page. Awesome. Just so you know. Yeah. So we expanded the audience for you. And so if y'all are watching on Facebook, I think Kevin's saying, you know, get in more chats and share sure. it with friends. Let's, you know, let's multiply. Yeah, I, 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 I love. And the media too. The media is on the live stream. So welcome. I love media. as a Christian brother the legacy leftist media. But you know you're wrong <laughs> and I'm willing to battle with you any day of the week. But the point is we... When I was introduced, I said, look, you are my people. And you need to remember that when you show up in this building every single day, you've done so for 50 years as an institution with smiles on your faces. It's now time for us to look outward and to spend more time outside Washington, D.C. and to go do battle in state legislatures with friends like Texas Values and TPPF. And what's happened in 10 short months is that Heritage has been active in 27 states on our seven big policy priorities. And we're going to spend seven, if not eight figures, trying to get universal school choice, for example, passed in Texas next year. Well, but you know, the school choice issue is, it's a big deal. and, And it's been tried before. It's been around a little bit. It just seems like there's a little bit more activity than we've seen before. Uh, Corey DeAngelis, I'm sure you know, what, and you spent some time on with your show, was um, a part of a panel yesterday. Boy, he got some people stirred up here in Texas with just a little Corey bit of, has a tendency to do that. Yeah, with some social media activity. Um, but he's got good information, and he's, I bet he's feeling a little bit of wind behind him, right? When you see what's happening, and you, you touched on this earlier, your background and what you're seeing in public schools and in the education area, that parents are frustrated, that they're concerned, they've had enough, and they're, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the uh, fault of that education lobby and institution, if you will, and that environment that our parents are saying, I want a different choice if you're not going to listen to me. You know, if, if they're going to be labeled as uh, domestic terrorist parents because they're saying that we don't, we're concerned about what's happening in our kids' public school. And I imagine even in where you're on D.C., you're, there's probably a lot of parents around those areas too, um, or even more so that are asking for choice. They're asking for, they're asking for freedom is really what it's about. And what they've recognized is, and, and I talked about this, I think the last time I was at this great event that you put on, they're, they're realizing that because of the overwrought COVID lockdowns, what's been laid bare to parents, many of whom are apolitical, is not just that teachers aren't teaching, that their students, their own children are not learning to read and write and do math and science at a proficiency that every American should want for every other American. Worse still, in place of those subjects, we are radicalizing our students, weaponizing the most noble part of our noble experiment, which is that every single child in this country get an equality of opportunity that starts with their education. It is unjust and it's evil what has happened in American schools and we darn well better fix it. Well, I'm an educator, so I get really fired up about that. <laughs> we heard you say you charge hills. That's good. Uh, so, you know... Um, I talked about this earlier in our time together. 
not only with the mood of the American public and parents and so on, um, you've got the Biden administration, but you've got now a U.S. Supreme Court that has a different makeup. And that is having an impact uh, on, on a lot of issues. But there was a case talked about by some, maybe not a lot, Carson versus Macon coming out of the state of Maine that had an impact on religious freedom, giving more freedom, if you will. Um, and that's about an education uh, choice program in the state of Maine that really sort of reiterated, but maybe opened the doors or made it clear where there's going to be, uh, there should be more religious freedom for parents to decide. So if there's a program that allows for choice or allows for tax credits or whatever, that if you're a religious school, and, um, and you're a parent, you shouldn't be treated differently. You shouldn't be discriminated against or shut out by the government. That's going to impact this climate. But, you know, you know what the state legislature's like. You, you spent some time here, even in Texas, to know that um, you've got what the Senate might want to do and, and our Lieutenant Governor, Dan Patrick. Then you've got a whole lot of other personalities in the House. And then you've got, you know, what um, what is Governor Abbott going to say? I mean, um, you know, Texas would certainly be a prize. I mean, have y'all spent any time sort of looking at some of the details and, and what you think that climate looks like for school choice in Texas? Well, we have. Thanks for that question. Yeah. As I had said in this same comment that, that I, I made to my heritage colleagues 11 months ago, when one of them asked me, what are your top three policy priorities? I said, education, education, and education. Because if we don't get that right... Nothing else matters. And of course, you know, because we're kindred spirits, that implied in that comment is that we're also defending religious liberty, our right to worship in the way that we understand and not the way Barack Obama understands it. But here in Texas, to get to the heart of your question, Jonathan, we've not only spent time thinking about it, we've actually put money on the table. And so Heritage is mostly a 501c3. It's, it's a policy organization. We can do some advocacy. We do a lot of that, a lot of messaging. We have our own kind of quasi-independent media platform called the Daily Signal. That's where we can get our message out when we get blocked by, you know, the bad guys. But we also have a 501c4, Heritage Action for America. Some of you might even be sentinels in that organization. That's the organization that's put money on the table, ready to go knock on doors, ready to make phone calls for one bill. This is not a time to paint with pale pastels, to paraphrase Ronald Reagan. That one bill, every single dollar that the generous, wonderful people of Texas give to public education follow every single Texas child. That's what success looks like. And so... To our legislator friends, we're going to push you to do that. We want to be shoulder to shoulder with you. We are a policy organization first. So if you have questions about how that policy should work, we and our friends across the movement can answer it. But I also know from knowing most members of the Texas legislature, and some of them pretty well, that this is incumbent on us in this audience, on you and me, on people watching this. Because our legislator friends say, Kevin, that can be a hard vote because of all of the pressure against us. So we have to keep the pressure on them to remind them, the American people, the Texas people, know that education reform is, the time for that is now. It is time more than anything else to completely end the 170-year-old Horace Mann-style way of educating kids and let parents and communities make their decision. I happen to think when we get to the last day of the session, Jonathan, you and I are going to be giving each other a high five in downtown Austin, and we're going to say we did it. Uh, well, and, 
And I would imagine Corey DeAngelis might be in that um, that shot too. We'll, we'll just It'll see. be a lot of people, let me say. <laughs> uh, and, and on that point, just inside yeah. baseball, if you don't mind. No, and this, this ought to scare the daylights of any of the media types who write against school choice. <laughs> that was for you. <laughs> uh, is the coalition is huge. I mean, I have never seen this because, you know, coalition work is like the hardest thing. It's scriptural. We all speak a little bit different language. We have a little bit different interest to do X or Y. But what I see as a result, this is beautiful fruit of the circumstances of the last few years in this country, is that people are coming together and saying, this is what we must do most of all for the 6 million school-aged children of Texas. And I think if we continue to keep the message on that, the coalition will stay unified. Our legislator friends will be willing to take some action. And most of all, our statewide leaders, Governor Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, Speaker Phelan, will lean into this and get the ball across the finish line. Well, and that's going to be critical. I mean, last year we had Governor Abbott here at our event. We had Lieutenant Governor Patrick. And we try not to have the same speakers every year. They're always welcome. And so this year we had Senator Cruz spoke at a dinner that we had last night. Attorney General Ken Paxton um, was a part of the program in the afternoon yesterday. But also, and, and I want to segue a little bit and connect on this point, because one of the reasons why there's a lot of concern about uh as public schools and the education issue is because of the way that a lot of issues have been treated in public school, how parents' rights have been disrespected, how um, they've been attacked and really been shut out, um, and, and they face so many problems, right? And so um, we find ourselves in a year where the Supreme Court has made and been involved in some huge decisions, right, that tell us sort of also where the culture is. My experience tells me a lot of times the Supreme Court decision sort of comes after the culture's already moving in that direction. And so we had Coach Kennedy here yesterday, huge religious freedom case for, uh, for prayer. But then we spent a lot of time yesterday and today talking about the life issue. I know that's an issue that you care about. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the, the Dobbs v. Jackson case. As a matter of fact, I think we have a... Um, uh, message that we're going to hear later from Lynn Fitch, who was the Attorney General of Mississippi that argued that case that overturned Roe versus Wade for the Heritage Foundation, but also particularly for you. What was that decision like? Well, my number one issue is being pro life because it's self explanatory that if we don't get that right, then everything else we do in public life is for naught. And so well before I was even thinking about getting into public policy, I was an ardent pro-lifer. As you know, Jonathan, I've organized many pilgrimages of high school students and then of college students to the March for Life in D.C. to give the witness of hopefulness that one day this could end. And so for me to sort of hang on that, that personal perspective, I just remember one of the last times I was in D.C. on that March for Life with some students I brought there that we got up to that last part, that hill that's just west of the Capitol, just north of the Capitol, right before you turn the corner to go mm-hmm. conclude the march at the Supreme Court. Yep. And we were in the habit, this, this school that I would take up there, of stopping there and turning around and taking a picture of the million people who were behind us. Mm. And this young student, a young African-American lady, who, by the way, was attending our school because of school choice in Louisiana, turned to me and said, Dr. Roberts, we're going to do it. And I said, Tiana, what do you mean? She said, we are going to see Roe v. Wade overturned in our lifetime. 
And I said, Tiana, I think you're going to see that in your lifetime. I'm not sure that I will see it. She said, no, sir, it's going to happen sooner than you think. And she was right. She was right. And so fast forward, not that I'm special, but it was kind of neat just speaking as a guy that is just one person that on the day of that decision, I was at mass, make daily mass at St. Joseph's on the Hill where a couple of Supreme Court justices had no longer been able to make daily mass because of the ugliness toward them. And I was praying for them and their safety and the decision comes down and it's right there. And our heritage media people were the first to take these live shots of what was going on. That is one of the most important events, not just in American history, but in human history because it marks for us. Yes, applaud them. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Thank you. (laughs) It's a reminder when this great republic needed it, that in spite of all of the challenges, all of the mistakes we've made, all of the injustice and evil that comes from human nature, that 50 years of hard work, of praying, of sacrifice, of women and men healing from poor decisions they made, could in fact be redeemed in a political and legal arena with, by the way, a legal opinion that I think is the most sound and the most beautiful and logically argued in the history of jurisprudence. America is alive and well. That's what I would say. Well, look, I, um, and I wasn't thinking about this when, when I was thinking about our talk together, but I mean, you brought up that turn um, I've only been to the March for Life in D.C. twice because usually we're here in Texas at some events related to that. But um, see, see, now I'm going to get choked up. So I was there this year and I was able to bring my high school son. I took a high school group to D.C. I wasn't alone, but I was one of the chaperones. And, um, and I just was sensing it could be this. And I knew Dobbsy Jackson, the case was coming up too. But, uh, but it was also the first time to, uh, to go on a group with the students. And I was so excited that my son is at a school that takes a group. And we turned that corner and um, we took a picture with the Supreme Court uh, behind us. And if you've not been there, you gotta go. I mean, if you've not been to the March for Life in DC, you gotta go. If you've not been up to DC to see the US Supreme Court. But and I was with the group of kids and I, and I had that feeling too. I thought, I think this could be the year, but, but we didn't, you know, we not, we've not wanted to get all that hopeful, right? Cause this issue has been going on for so long. It's so many of us have worked so hard, but there's a lot that goes into it. The shaping of policy. This is what heritage has done so well about because it helps people get educated on the issues so then they can understand them more, they can talk to people, and they can be more confident about them. Tell us a little bit about that focus on what Heritage does and some of the things that are so key to the education side, the empowering of people. Well, thank you. I, I, I will answer that, but I should say, because it's directly connected to something you've asked about before, and I know you're interested in as a great attorney, Heritage has a great legal research center named after Attorney General Ed Meese, who is still on our board. And uh, as I I told my dad, I said, I get to get free legal advice from Ed Meese. (laughs) But it's named after him, the Meese Legal Center. uh, Just keep him in in your prayers. He remains a great American. He's also 90 years old. But I went back to Heritage after going to Mass, and I went to the gentleman who heads up that center, John Malcolm, you know well. And because of Heritage's desire 
this is the Reagan principle, don't worry about taking credit for something, you'll accomplish more. I didn't know, as the new president of Heritage, how responsible people at Heritage were, along with other people, I want to be clear, folks at the Federalist Society, Donald Trump for having the courage to nominate the people he did, activists who were showing up. I'm not trying to take that credit. You know that. But John Malcolm said, Kevin, here's sort of a synopsis of all of the legal briefs we have written since Roe v. Wade. Here's all the legal symposia we've organized. Here are all the things we've done. And John was not trying to take credit either. And I sat back and I said, man, this institution has played a vital role founded in the very same year as Roe v. Wade. And so for our colleagues at Heritage, it was a shot in the arm that not just on the life issue and on religious liberty, but on those top three issues of ours, education, education, and education, we need to have that same fortitude. I mean, you think about it. Fortitude's a cardinal virtue. It's one of the great virtues the Holy Spirit gives us that for those of us in the public square, when it comes to identifying how you make America, America again, It really is education. We're going to have to continue to fight, as we know well, to be pro-life. We're going to win some state battles. We're going to lose some state battles. But the trajectory to sum up here is upwards. We need to have that same commitment to education. Because once we do that, and we root out the indoctrination that's happening in our schools, we root out the injustice of defining people by their skin color with critical race theory. And then we get back to American schools just being in the top 20 in terms of reading, math, and writing achievement. We're now only in the top 70 as if that's even a ranking. Then I think we can be sure that America has turned the corner from this dark age and that we can, as I truly believe, you know this, Jonathan, we can enter not the final chapter in American civilization, but a golden era that came from this redemption. Yeah, no, it, look, thank you. Um, well, and look, I mean, some of this is not rewriting history, reminding people of these principles because you have um, a culture, you have, you know, a generation that has, you know, had some of these things taken away from it. There's been all these battles in schools and, you know, um, to where a lot of students are not aware of some of these things. And I, and I think about that too with the life movement. I've been involved in it so long. I saw these arguments starting to crop up right when the Supreme Court was getting ready to rule and right after that. And I'm like, what do you mean? We, that's not an argument anymore. We, nobody says that anymore, but the, all these people that were rushing to say something in response because they were upset. Um, I remember I was on University of Houston campus and I was having this dialogue with a student and she came up to me and was challenging me. Men shouldn't be able to talk about the abortion issue and, you know, just really being ugly, not really wanting to hear my response. And I was like, calm down. I mean, what, you know, why not? And anyway, and so she was just kind of dismissing me completely. And I said, okay, okay. I said, um, um, what was the uh, sex of the justices on the Supreme Court in 1973? And she was like, I was like, they were all men. Why were they able to have an opinion on it and I'm not? And she was like, she had nothing to say. That's different. It's not, like it's not. But, and so that's the value of the work that your organization is doing and to also to, to remind people, but, and sometimes we do have to do that. Um, what does that policy work look like? Tell us about some of that operation 
at Heritage? I mean, I know you've got staff, you've got interns, y'all have got fellows. I mean, it just, um, what are some things that people sort of at the state level in Texas might be able to see and, uh, and connect with if they want to learn more about history issues, about life issues, school choice? Um, share some detail. Thanks for that question. Heritage literally covers every policy issue. So in domestic policy, in foreign policy, every issue. And while we are very interested in doing our analysis for the purpose of effecting policy change, we start first with what the policy problem is and what the policy solution needs to be. So we don't speak about policy solutions unless we've first done the research. There are other quote-unquote think tanks, and I, I don't use that to describe heritage because we do so much more than think, who, for whatever reason, I know it's not a judgment, they just want to do the thinking. Well, we're not a college. We're not a university. We're an organization that was founded 49 years ago to keep America, America. And so for you, for, for activists, for people who are working on any of the issues that Jonathan mentioned, or any other issue, you know that Heritage can be a resource. And so know that you go to our website, heritage.org, which I think is pretty user-friendly. You can see all the research that we've done there. That's step one. Think of that as sort of your intellectual ammunition. But the second thing, as it relates to the state work that we're doing, I mentioned earlier, this is a, a huge part. In fact, I would say operationally, Jonathan, that's the biggest change at Heritage since I've gotten there is how much we're going to focus on the states. Because let's face it, that's how federalism works. Good ideas percolate up from the states. And knowing, well, I think we're going to have a conservative majority in January in D.C., they need to have ideas from the states. Because let me tell you, if there aren't good ideas policy-wise coming from the states, K Street lobbyists get to write the bills, and we don't want them doing that. I don't, by the way, get invited to K Street lobbyist cocktail parties, but it doesn't bother me in the least because it tells me that I have not become a swamp creature. But the, the third point is we want to hear from you. And so this has always been true about heritage, but I think what I learned at Texas Public Policy Foundation, what Jonathan too is very good at, is we want to listen before we talk. And there are so many Americans who take me up on this offer where they say, I'm working on X issue, I need some research, contact Heritage. It's very obvious how to do so on our website. And let us know if there's research we need to tailor to that particular issue. Fourth thing is we really want to work in coalitions. We, we, we want to win. We don't want to get credit. And so if you've got through Texas Values or another organization that's aligned with what you're doing, with the Family Policy Alliance, for example, you need some research on something, we've got a research fellow or an analyst who can prepare that for you. And then the final step is, I mentioned earlier, Heritage Action for America, our 501c4, we have a list of 2 million people who are affiliated with Heritage Action for America, 22,000 have gone through the training nationally to be sentinels, which means that they're activists, they know how to get legislation through the process. We invite you to do that. You can be a Heritage Sentinel and also be an activist for another organization. In fact, for us, that's where the magic happens because we believe at Heritage that even though people like to take pot shots at us, that we're not gonna respond to those in kind because the movement is much stronger when we're emphasizing those policy areas that we're going to work on together rather than what divides us. And even though we are 
a, sec, a non-sectarian organization. We're, we're secular. We're animated by our Christianity. I mean, you, you got to know the people at Heritage. You just visit the building, you would know that. So we want to be working shoulder to shoulder, starting by listening, but also if you want to go charge a hill, we want to put the intellectual ammunition in your intellectual gun. This is all figurative if you're part of the media. So that as you charge the hill, we get those policy wins for the everyday American. Yeah, well, I mean, you did say you were a cowboy earlier. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> gunslinger, cowboy. See, now I'm going to get in trouble. Um, no, and I appreciate you, you mentioning that because, I mean, I get people, somebody came up to me just a minute ago. I want to get involved. What can I do? I want to get involved. What can I do? I mean, and I love hearing that, right? But people are, they're looking for different ways. And sometimes as I was sharing with this um, lady that came up to me a minute ago, sometimes I'll ask some questions. Okay, well, what are your interests? And maybe kind of get a better idea and then point people in the right direction. But a lot of people are starting to think, I want to make a difference. What can I do? I care about my country. I care about my state. I care about my community. Some of the biggest battles in tug of wars are playing out in school boards in local communities right now and, and that have been huge um, and, and of concern, right? But those little things at that local level, as you know, Kevin, can make such a difference. And so I got two, two things I want to cover before we conclude. And, and, and this is a great conversation. This is why I was like, lunch, keynote, gosh, this is going to be great because um, you've, you've done so much great work, but you understand how to connect these issues so well for people and audiences. And so I want to lighten it up just a little bit since we're at lunch, okay? So uh, my predictions Texas 41, Texas Tech 20. <laughs> no, see, I I did yeah, I should have been teed up for football. But I like y'all, I haven't had my box lunch yet. So I'm thinking about food. Oh, but just so y'all know, okay, where's Mary Elizabeth? If we get this thing, you know, cleaned up before the end of the Texas, Texas Tech game, we're heading over across the street somewhere to get some wings and find out who's going to decide this game. But, uh, but, uh, but Longhorn fans know a lot of times what happens in love. It's not always good. Absolutely. There's a lot of bravado and perhaps not a lot of substance in my yeah. prediction. So back to my lunch, uh, feeling here. What, what do you miss? more about Texas. You miss the, the barbecue, the Tex-Mex. What, what, what food are, are you craving up there in D.C.? Well, my favorite cuisines are barbecue and Tex-Mex. And so <laughs> I miss both of those. And I, I, I do a reasonably good job with both. And I, as you know, I, I like to cook. It's, I, I can't sing. I play a couple instruments, but not well. So, you know, my creative outlet is is to cook, and so that's what I cook, along with Cajun cuisine, which is native for me. So y'all are always welcome to the Roberts House. We eat really, really well. You know, but I'll I'll take that question to say what I mo- miss most about Texas, and I would speak on behalf of my wife and kids too. Although our oldest is in college here at the University of Dallas, is the people. Um, there are great people not just in Northern Virginia where we live, but in D.C. I want to really let you know that there are great people in D.C. who are fighting the good fight. So there's hope there. But there, it's just different when you come here, even in a city like Austin. And I'll tell you a story and then let you get to your next question. We're real big believers in taking day trips after church on Sunday. And so the very first day trip we took in the dead of winter after we moved up to Virginia in January, we get 30 miles outside our town, which is already far outside DC. We stop for gas. We go in, get the kids some snacks. I get some coffee. We're walking back to my diesel truck, which I drive to Capitol Hill every day. And my son said, dad, 
this is real America. It's like being back in Texas. <laughs> oh boy, I tell you where there's no place like Texas, right? Well, I want to conclude by, you know, I've said this in different panels that I've been on and comments throughout the, the two days. Um, so much of our work too is about relationships that we build. Um, you know, one of the things I'm excited about is celebrating 10 years of Texas Values. As a matter of fact, I, is the cake ready? What are we doing? There's a anniversary cake. Happy I don't know. Birthday. Yeah, I, we're teed up somewhere. Somebody needs to cue me if I need to make that announcement, okay? Because I'm having a great conversation with my friend here. Uh, but I was told that there's anniversary cake. But, you know, over that time, you know, as you mentioned, we don't do this work alone. And you really, I mean, and to get it done, you've got to have some great relationships, people that like working with you. And I really do love and enjoy working with you and, and other people that, um, that you've been a part of and organizations. But, um, and those relationships are important, right? I mean, we, we have to build them over time and put, um, put effort into them. And, um, and that, because when we're in the middle of that battle, there's those trusts and you don't want to be thinking about it. You're, you're ready to charge that hill. You know that you can depend on that person. And that's why a lot of the speakers that we have that come to our events are people we've worked with because we know they're the shared values and principles, but we know the value of some of the work that we do because we've seen it. We've seen those people in action, right? And I have seen um, Kevin Roberts living out his faith personally. So many times. And so where, where I want to conclude, if you will, I want to end our time together here on the stage is uh, how can we pray for you? Because I know religious liberty is a big deal in that principle, but I know your personal faith is very important and you're a prayerful man, but, but I want to know how we can pray for you and how we can be in that encouragement uh, of the body of Christ. Man, thank you so much for that question. That's really what our work is about. And as I, I've told colleagues, former colleagues at Texas Public Policy, and I tell my colleagues at Heritage Now, and you and I have talked about, in this line of work, you have two forms of currency, ideas and relationships. And if you get both of those right, you're in good shape. But the way you get both of those right is to stay very close in a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I would ask all of you to do for me is... Courage kind of comes naturally. It's kind of how I came out of the womb. I don't take any credit for that. That's a gift from the Holy Spirit. But you know, if you've studied the virtues, that you can have too much of something and that it's no longer the golden mean. So I will ask you for the gift of discernment. Discernment about when to fight the right battle, how many resources to put in there, discernment about people who want to constantly take pot shots, not just at heritage, that doesn't bother us or me, but pot shots at our movement and the strength to be a leader who adds and multiplies our movement and our country so that when we sit back in a year, five years, 10 years, I'm always happy to be here, Jonathan, and we have your 20th anniversary cake for Texas Values, we can say we did it. And not a single one of us will take credit for that. But we knew that as the body of Christ, we saved and reclaimed this country in his image. Amen. Well, my brother, my friend, it's been a joy to have you here as our keynote speaker today for Saturday. And we wouldn't have had it any differently. Please, another round of applause for Kevin Roberts, president of Heritage Foundation. Brother, appreciate you.
The Kevin Roberts Show is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producer is Crystal Kate Bonham. The producer is Philip Reynolds. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and Tim Kennedy. For more information and to subscribe, please visit heritage.org.